Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Conversations from Being, inspired by the book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan Thompson. Join us each week with the intention of expanding your state of being, and your experience will be remarkable. Remember, this is a podcast about being. It is a podcast about you. To explore more deeply, visit theultimatecoachbook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B. I'm so excited to be here today with uh, one of the main people who was covered a lot in the book of being, um, and that is Scott Parker. He is the man who Amy Hardison described as the most handsome man in the world. And, oh, and brother. Steve. <laughs> I'm already. <laughs> He's already changing that. colors. I don't know what I do with that. I... <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. But all that to say that he goes back to the beginning um, of Steve's story as a missionary. So uh, welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yeah. So, you know, I, I actually, in preparation for this uh, conversation, I, was, I had to go back and look in the book of where uh, you were discussed. You were discussed a lot, you know. And um, one one thing really stuck out to me is um, there was a time when you really needed to um, to speak to him, and and there's something that he detected in your voice. Do you remember that? That's very common with him. Very common with Steve. You you can't. You, I I live about a thousand miles away from Steve, and he'll call me, and or I'll call him, and he can hear it in my voice. He can hear something in my voice. And he typically probes a little bit. And, and I, and see now I, I, after years of this, I know, you know, you can't say nothing. Oh, and everything's fine. No problem. You know, no, no, that's not going to go. No, that doesn't work with him. So, um, but I, but in all fairness, I try not to take advantage of that. That's one thing I've learned in my relationship with him as I, have tried not to take advantage of my friendship with him and turn it into some kind of a help kind of thing with him. I, I mean, he constantly, uh, he always says to me, is there anything else I can do for you? Can I do anything else? And uh, I, try to, I try to hold that in a special place and I try not to take advantage of it. So I have to be careful when he says that. Is there, how's everything going? You know, I have to be careful how I answer. So, so I'm wondering on the other end of that, though, as his friend, you must also uh, offer to to serve him and support him, right? Mm -hmm. How does that look? Well, you know, you have to remember, I I've watched Steve evolve, and Steve Hardison, the ultimate coach, wasn't always Steve Hardison, the ultimate coach. I've watched this happen over literally 47 years of friendship with Steve. Wow. And um, yeah, I counted it the other day and, and I'm good at math. 40, it'll be 47 in August. It'll be 47 in August. 
the end of August is when we first met in 1975. Okay. And so I've watched Steve evolve. And, um, and so I, I think we, we have subconsciously supported each other. There's been times in my life when I've needed more from him than he's needed from me. And he's always been there. He's always been willing to help and lift and counsel and give me his perspective and co and coach me. I mean, even before he was a coach, he was coaching me, you know, so I didn't know it at the time, but that's what he was doing. He probably didn't know at the time that he was doing that, but that's what he was doing. Yeah. So, so it's been interesting to watch. Uh, it's been amazing to watch this evolution of his, but, but the, the thing that, the thing that I want to stress in this is that Steve Hardison today is to me, and I know him very well, is very much the way he was when we were 19 years old. Mm. He's shifted things in his life and, and monetized things and done things with his abilities, but he was always caring. He was always different than anybody else when it came to um, his involvement and his... Um, you know, his heart, you always knew he was, when, whenever I would speak to him, I always felt like there was nobody else. He wasn't thinking about anything else. He was really just thinking about me. And um, that's his special gift. His special gift is he can just pierce right through you. And uh, I've had many people ask me, you know, what, what's he like? And I, and I've, I always say, well, not always, but I often say he could be with you and within five minutes, he would know almost everything about you. Mm. He would know what you are all about. And he just has this gift of being able to see right through you and feel who you are, good and bad. And, and, and with no judgment. I mean, Steve is a very non-judgment kind of guy. He's, he's really like, hey, this is what is. What can we do with this? How how can how can I serve you? You know that's really how he operates, and he always has operated that way. It's amazing, and and I think that's one of the things that's always attracted me to him, and that's why we've had such a long relationship. And you know, when you have a long relationship with somebody like this, it's a two way street. It's not a one way street. Um, it has to be a two way street, and it has been a two way street, and so. Um, I'm, I'm just very grateful for that. I'm very thankful for that. So in which ways would you say you've supported him? <laughs> I don't know. You know, that's a great question. I'm not, I, it's hard for me to, to say, how have I supported him? I think, um, you know, we've had personal conversations about our lives, about our marriages, about our children and, and I think in that way, I've, I've listened. Uh, I've, I've been a listening place for him to speak. Uh, I think that's probably the main, the main way that I've, I've, I've just been a, I've been a friend um, that he could always count on. If I told him I was going to do something, I would do it. He could always count on me. And uh I, again, I, I've not tried to take advantage of that. Um, and that's something that I've learned. I, I don't think I always looked at that that way. Um, 
And I don't think I was always aware of maybe overreaching into our relationship. I, to me, it was always a, you know, a friendship and, and I, and I learned over time, I had to be careful with that friendship. Yeah. So you truly cherish your friendship and you hold space for him when it's appropriate. And you also are in competition with him, right? That's really a joke. It's meant to be a joke because like you have six kids, he has four, but you both have 11 grandchildren. So like when are you going to break that tie? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's going to break that tie. Um, Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I I think we probably have a couple more on our side coming, but uh, who knows? I stay out of that. I stay out of that old deal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, who knows? We'll go first. So I'm wondering, like, when, um, before I get to that, actually, how has that shifted your way of being through the years? Like, as he, as your relationship has evolved, with Steve, right? You've been living and growing. He's been living and growing. Like, how has that shifted you personally? Well, um, he he is clearly my dearest friend, my closest friend. And, you know, I was just with him last weekend and he said that same thing to me. He said, you are my closest friend. And I, I was a little surprised by that because I know how many people he has in his life. And when he said that to me, it really meant a lot to me. So um, I think, you know, that's a big question. How has the, how has my relationship, how, how has my interaction with him shifted my way of being? Um, I think, I think by osmosis in some ways, I've, I've been able to become more aware. I don't, I don't consider myself a very Zen person. In fact, I've been told I'm not a very Zen person. <laughs> and um uh, and so I am around this world of Steve's and I'm around a lot of the people that are in this world, but I'm not kind of one of those, you know, I'm not, I don't have a coaching practice. I don't have anything like that. I'm a real estate developer and that's what I do. But, uh, but just, you can't help but be around him and not be affected by his goodness. Um, and, you know, and it's just fun to be with him. I mean, it doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It's just fun. I mean, he reaches out to people. He talks to people he doesn't know. I mean, but I'm a lot that way as well. And so uh, when I'm with Steve, it's not a competition. I kind of let him do what he does. But see, when I'm with other people, I'm a bit like that too. And so it's fun to be with Steve and watch and watch him. Um, I've watched him do amazing things with people. I, I've I've you know, he's met people, he helps people, he serves people, he'll give people money, he'll right on the spot. I mean, just, he's, he's just a very giving, he's just got a huge, huge heart. And uh, I think that's his greatest attribute is his heart. And I think everything, everything flows from there. And I, and I think the other thing I, I've realized uh, is I, I'm very fortunate that I have this friendship with him, and I know him so well, because I think a lot of people mis- can misinterpret his enthusiasm and his extroverted ways um, sometimes as being not real or being narcissistic or, um, 
self-promoting or whatever, I think. Uh, but I know what Steve is really about. And um, uh, I just I just know his heart and I just know exactly what he's what he's like and what what he's really like at his core. And I and I think that's it's come from all those years. Um, it's come from watching his relationship with Amy and knowing Amy so well. I mean, I met Amy when she was 17 years old. Amy, you know, Steve and I met in England and then Steve came home about a year before I did. And um, you're there for two years. And I, so Steve was out about a year when I met him. Hmm. And so I would, so Steve came home and then he met Amy and they got engaged. And then Amy started writing to me um, before I came home from England. That's how long I've known her. And then I, I remember, I remember uh, meeting Amy in person for the first time. It was December of 1977. And um, I, I had a girlfriend at the time and we, the four of us sat down and we had pizza someplace and, in Utah, I think it was in Provo. And I said to Amy, how old are you? And she and Steve and Amy looked at each other and Steve said, well, let's just say our kid and their wedding was about three weeks away. Mm. And he said, let's just say our kids will say, mom, were you really only 18 for two weeks when you got married? <laughs> so she was that was a way of saying Amy was 17 years old. Yeah. When I met her. And so that's how long I've been in, they've been in my life and I've been in their life. And, and so it's been, it's been, uh, it's been wonderful to watch all of this uh, and, and watch, you know, Steve grow and watch Amy grow and watch them grow together. And, you know, know that there's been bumps, bumps along the way. Um, but they are so committed to each other. They they've worked right through those. So. Yeah. What about you and Steve? What kind of bumps have you had? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't. You know, you really can't have a forty-seven year relationship without some big bumps. And I went through a divorce. In um, I had a very rough first marriage and these this is where my children this, this is the mother of my children my six children and we got married very young also and um just had some issues that we just couldn't we never did work through and so i probably towards the end of that marriage i would say the last three or four years it was probably a big bitch session every time i talked to steve you know? <laughs> and and I think honestly, it became became toxic. Yeah. I became I I became toxic, and and so I did get divorced, and I was divorced for a while, and I was still a mess. You know, I was really a mess because of that that marriage, and I I really didn't realize what kind of damage had been done in that until I met my second wife and I would kind of tell her some of the things and she would, you know, she would give me her opinion and give me her perspective. But um, in all of that, you know, I was talking to Steve a lot and Steve 
offered to help me several times. And uh, I really kind of pushed back on his help. Um, I, at the time, I, I really didn't want our friendship to get in the middle of some kind of a coaching relationship. And, mm. and Steve was really pushing for a coaching relationship with me. And I was resisting it. And he finally said to me, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, that's the letter right there. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the letter. Um, he finally said to me, and this is dated 17 May 2004. He basically said, uh, I'm done. I'm done with you. And um, you need help. You don't want me to help you. Get some help. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't uh, show up at my door. Don't write to me. Don't. Wow. Rebut no rebuttal. No. And um, and it was that was I mean, I always call this my divorce, our, our divorce. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, it. and it was brutal. And I had just met my second wife at the time. I'd known her for maybe a month. When this happened and, um, and I, and I, I was floored. I, I mean, I was really floored by it. And, and, and at the time I really looked at it like, what's his problem? Yeah. You know, I didn't realize uh, what I've learned is how hard it was for him to write this letter to me. It had to be horribly hard to write this letter. And, um, I also realized how horrible I must have been for him <laughs> to write this letter. Yeah. Because at the time when it happened, I was kind of like, wow, look what Steve did. You know, I didn't right. think like, what have I done? I just was like, look what Steve did. Can you believe this? And I shared it with a few of our close friends, mutual wow. friends. And they were blown away. They were like, wow. You know, but everybody, we all know Steve is like kind of in a different world, you know? And so we were kind of like, well, you know, Steve's down Steve. And, and, you know, as time went on, I, of course, I, I, well, maybe I shouldn't say of course, but I did honor what he asked me to do. And I did, I had no contact with him. I didn't initiate any contact. We, so I met my wife, uh, as I said, right around this time. And I, we dated for about 15 months. So the first time I saw Steve after this happened was at a mutual friend's wedding in August of 2005. So about a year, about a, not quite a year and a half, but about a year and a half later was the first time I saw Steve. And this was a very dear friend of ours, a mutual friend um, who was getting remarried. And um, Steve was actually uh, performing the ceremony. And so my late wife, uh, Jan and I went to it. And, um, and so I saw Steve for the first time and it was very awkward and it was very cool. And uh, there's a picture, there's four of us that we were all missionaries together that have stayed very, very close. And these were two of the guys that I had shared. So they all knew, they all knew about this letter. And you know, nobody said anything about it, but there's a picture of us, the four of us, and it's the most awkward picture. Steve and I are standing next to each other and I'm kind of like, uh, uh, can we take this? And can I? It's a very awkward. 
And, so um, and- I want to just pause you there for a minute because I there's a, a couple of things that I want to slow down with. So mm. you you were in deep judgment of Steve, mm. and at that time, we're not in a place where you saw your responsibility in that. Right. Definitely. And you invited others to be on your judgment party. Yes, definitely. And the reason why I'm slowing that down is for the people who are listening. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. When you have a big blow up with a friend who you've known for a very long time, it's almost like a default setting to get other people to validation. Yes. I, I was getting validation. Like, and did that serve you? Oh, definitely. That definitely made me feel better. I mean, artificially, it was an artificial thing. But again, I think this was this is my unzenness, right? I, I mean, I was. This is a very worldly way of handling a problem. This isn't going deep. This is just bouncing on the top of it. And this is what a lot of people do: is they bounce on the top of of relationship problems like this, and and. Um, and that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. I, I wanted validation. And of course, the two guys that I, I talked to knew some of the story, but they had no idea what not. had been shared between him and I. But yet, and you know, they probably, in reality, they were probably like, hey, we're going to just stay neutral. We're not taking sides on any of this stuff. But in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, look what an asshole Steve is. <laughs> right. You know, um, and I, and I and I I mean really that's what I what I thought at the time. I never I never for a minute back then thought how difficult it was for him to write that letter. So Scott has read me the letter off air, and um, I'm I'm going to give my reflections on it first, Scott, if you're okay with sure, that, and sure. then um, you can respond to what I have to say. So. I heard it as very respectful, very clear on setting the boundary of you are so toxic right now, but I love you so deeply and so much that for the best thing I can do for you to support you is to only offer you myself as a coach because that's what you really need. And if you don't want to take me up on that offer, then I'm, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And um, I heard it as very non-judgmental, very loving, very clear. And this is actually the kind of loving that most people miss in their relationships. If we were all this way in our relationships, the world would be healthier. That that's what I got from listening to the letter, and I, I and I feel validated in that because you guys are still friends. <laughs> yeah, <you> right. <laughs> no, I I think I think your your perception and and you know I think uh, being an outsider looking in, I think you can see it much more clearly. It was devastating to me to get this letter. It was rip my heart out and step on it and kick it. And it was really devastating to get this. And uh, I didn't, um, you know, I couldn't appreciate where it was coming from at the time it happened. But I, looking back, our relationship had become, I mean, in one place in the letter, 
he basically said, you know, you've sucked the life right out of it. You've sucked the oxygen out of it. And, you know, when you do that, you don't have much. And this is where he was, he was at. See, to me, for me, I was thinking, Hey, I've got a new version of my story. So listen to this. I've even got it down better now. You know, (laughs) this is how right I am and how wrong everything that's happened is, you know, and how right I am about it. And he just, he was like looking at me like, dude, you are, you are such a mess. You don't even get it. You don't even realize it. And, and really it was very, I, I know now it was really, really hard for him to write that letter to me and, and say what needed to be said. But like you've just said, this was coming from a place of love. And this is how, this is how, this is a, this is Steve Hardison on steroids because this is him really in action saying this can't stand this, this can no longer stand. And I'm going to, you know, I've got to hit you right in the face with this, you know, without physically hitting you in the face, I've got to, <laughs> I've got to verbally hit you in the face and I've got to geographically hit you in the face. And I've got to end. You have to realize I'm ending this relationship. Yeah. That's how bad I was. That's what a mess I was. And um, I didn't get that. I didn't get that message at the time. I knew I was a mess. I didn't think I deserved the letter, but I knew I was a mess. And I respected what he said. And I didn't reach out to him. And I didn't try to debate him on this. And, And I was basically quiet. And I just tried to move forward. And, and I did start to heal myself. And, and I think, you know, that process has gone on and goes on, goes on every day, you know? So, um, and I'm, I know now I didn't know then, but I'm very grateful for what he did and how emphatic he was about it. And that's Steve Hardison. That's, what he's about. He's not, he's not uh, ambiguous, you know? No, he's very clear. He's very clear. And he was very clear. And, um, and it was necessary. It was needed. And, uh, and I'm grateful for it. And it took me a while to appreciate it. And even, even after we put our relationship together, I don't know that I really, fully grasp what a mess I was and how deserving I was of that and how necessary that was. That was the only way to repair anything between us was to sever it and, you know, allow me to begin to fix myself, heal myself, whatever, you know. And like I said, that's a that's a process that continues to this day. So I, I love him for, I love him for loving me that much that that's, that's, and, you know, and I feel grateful that that's my attitude. I think sometimes people are right and they can never be wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why relationships don't get fixed is because they can never, they can never be, they can never take responsibility for their part of it part in it my i spoke about my daughter earlier and 
I, if I sat down with her, she would know that I would take responsibility for my part in, in that. And whether she did or not, you know, I would take my, my part in it. And I, and in, in many ways I have said that to her, but, but um, this thing with Steve was uh, it was a, it was a, it was a horror. It was probably the most horrible thing on one hand. And it was probably the best thing on another hand that's ever happened between us for sure. So. Yeah. Sign of fierce loving and the opportunity to begin again and create a new and, um, and actually understanding what loving is, Yeah, you know, because you weren't in a place to receive love. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that's the important part about, um, you know, repairing a, a relationship, a friendship, you know, is understanding that it's the adversity that actually deepens the bond. And, and the and adversity is an opportunity. Right. 100%. Um, it's not, uh, it's not like the the line in sand or anything like that. It, it's the opportunity to create. Right. Yeah, that's that's. I think you're right on with that comment. And I I think sometimes people look for adversity. You know, they look for it. They try to create it. But I think in a situation where it's kind of created on its own, um, it is a wonderful, incredible opportunity to. Uh, create something way better, you know, far in excess of what you had. And that's kind of what we've done, the, the two of us. And again, I, I give Steve a lot of credit on that side for, you know, for being willing to fix it without this coaching, re- you know, relationship, you know, that eventually happened, but it didn't yeah. happen at that time. At that time. Yeah. yeah. Whatever's meant to be will be. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm grateful for you and Steve's relationship being the being a model for others to learn from. Well, thank you. I if it can help anybody, I'm grateful for that. It's, <laughs> I, I hope I hope it can because it's yeah. it's a real deal. It's a it's a wonderful thing we have. It's always fun. Thank you for sharing that with us. You bet. People don't see themselves, right. you know. We, we only see our truth. And yeah. once you can get to a place where you can honor the other person's truth, yeah. then you can see your responsibility in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would be the lesson that you would want to share to people listening about um, the possibility of repairing severely severed friendships? Well, I think the only thing that really keeps you from that is pride, your own Mm. pride and uh, your own uh, uh, ill-fated commitment to your way of being. I mean, your mistakenly way of being. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, uh, you know, and I'm certainly guilty of this. You know, we try to be right all the time. And we try to be on top of things. And uh, in that instance, you know, 
I think I knew, I think I knew I was a mess. I just don't think I thought I deserved what he did to me. Um, but since then I've realized that was the only way that was the only way to, it couldn't keep these conversations we were having couldn't keep going on. There had to be a clean break and a clean start over. You couldn't, you couldn't do that by just saying, Hey, uh, let's take a break for a week. I'll call you and let's start over. I mean, it had to be something really severe. And, and I guess, I guess what I would say is it was worth all of it. It was worth the pain. It was worth the hurt. And, and our relationship is, uh, I mean, again, this long relationship we've had has progressed. It hasn't stayed stagnant. It continues to progress. And it's a very dynamic thing. And, and I'm very grateful for that. And um, I think, I think whenever there's a difficulty in a relationship, I think the most important thing is to step back and say, what, what, what have I done to create this? And what can I do to repair this? So it's kind of interesting how that almost mirrors what was happening with you and Steve. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of a, she has her own toxicity. And I, I call that when the relationships that are affected by that, I call our emotional splatter, right? Yeah. Kind yeah. of severs us from other people. So, um, yeah. Again, I think it's, it's pride. It's so much pride. We, we, we have so much pride. We can't see our part in, in the difficulty in a relationship. And we aren't willing to admit to our contribution to it. Um, we just want to, it's kind of like when Steve wrote me the letter, Hey, look what Steve did. You know, of course I didn't tell him what I did. Right. You know, I was just there's saying what two Steve sides. Did. Yeah. Yeah. There, that's, that's what is often said. There's, yeah. So I, I think repairing relationships, I mean, that's what this is all about, right? This is what it's, about. So it's repairing the relationship inside of us and it's repairing the relationship with others. I mean, that's what, that's what this work that all of you are doing is all about. It seems like, and, uh, and it's so valuable and it's so important. You're doing it too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I am, you're right. I am, I am trying to do it in my life. I am trying to be that. And, um, but you really have to get your pride out of the way. You have to allow, you have to allow yourself to be exposed to your own fallacies and you have to own them and you have to be willing to own them. And um, I think that's the difficulty. You know, you see on social media so much people, you know, it gives people a platform to speak. Right. Yeah. And you see a lot of people talk about the difficulties in their relationships and they don't they don't ever go into detail. They just talk about, you know, the toxic people that are I'm done with the top toxic people around me, you know. Right. And I, and I yeah, I, I I'm amazed how many people talk about that. on social So media. but the other side of that, like what you're saying and what we all have to be responsible for is we don't have toxic people in our life without attracting that because of the toxicity within. That's right. That's so true. And you want to, I want to say that sometimes, but I don't even know who this person is. So I don't say it. I just, you know, I just go by, but um, you're absolutely right. 
And I think that's the, if there's any takeaway here in, in this difficult relationship that I experienced with Steve, um, it was that it had to be owned. It had to be acknowledged. It had to be owned. And, and I think the fact that I have been able to do that and Steve together, we've done that. I think that strengthened our relationship and it made it even better, you know, that we went through this difficult patch and then we fixed it and, um, and we forgave each other. Or you recreated. Right? Yeah. That's probably a better way to say it. We, we, we recreated it. And I think that's, um, that's why I say our relationship is dynamic and it's, it's continued to evolve as, as time has evolved. It's, it really has. And so, I think that's, I, I think that we both have been interested in, in growing it. And I think that's, what's made it great as well. So. When were you able to really heal yourself? Because it seems like you came out of one marriage, you broke up with your best friend, and then you started another relationship. Yeah. And you, with the, in the beginning of that relationship, you were still carrying a little bit of baggage to be fair, right? Because you're oh, sharing sure. stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like, when yeah. did your healing occur? You know, I think, again, uh, I think it just is a, it's a time evolution. I don't think I could put a date certain that this is when it happened. I think, I think it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing process. I think it's a, it's a, it's a journey that I don't know that you ever get off. I mean, you're constantly, you know, you're constantly reassessing and you're constantly reevaluating and you're constantly repairing and patching and, and, you know, I think, um, again, one of the great things that happened that probably helped me the most was I did have a coaching relationship with Steve. And I spent uh, time with him in that relationship. And I had always I had always thought that that would get in the way of our friendship. And I, I, I'm not really wait, wait, sure. So you, you're saying you hired him as a coach. When was yeah. that? Uh probably back around uh, 2012 or so. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 10, 11, 12 in that area. And um, like I said, I, I, don't, I don't really know what shifted for me to do that. And I remember telling my wife that I was going to do this. And she was like, eh, you know, the money. Yeah. And, and, I, and I remember saying to her respectfully, I said, I'm not asking for permission. I'm telling you, this is what I'm going to do. I'm oh, doing wow. this. I'm doing this. So I'm not really coming to you saying, is it okay with you? I'm doing this. And um, that was an amazing experience. That was amazing to be in his presence in that kind of circumstance. And for those that are listening that have coached with him know exactly what I'm talking about. And those that are listening that haven't coached with him and would like to coach with him, or I would just say, whatever you have to do to do it, do it because it's the greatest thing you could ever do. And I, I remember thinking, literally thinking the money was insignificant after you got in there and got a piece of this, that it was cheap money for what he was giving you, what you were getting out of this, what you could do with this. And, and, you know, I've had several people, I've had several people, I think I kind of said this at the beginning, but 
several people say, what was it like? What, what did he do? What was it? Yeah. And I said, well, it doesn't matter what it was for me because it wouldn't be that for you. Yeah. It'd be completely different for you. What he did for me was for me. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be that for you. And um, yeah, it was, it was yeah. incredible. It's a very individual experience in general. Coaching is, you know, right. and, uh, and Steve is different. So yeah, I, I might be with session. I don't know if it counts as a be with session because we were walking. <laughs> yeah. So um, very different. So, okay. So that could have been part of your healing. If you, you coached with it him was, for, it was a full year. No, no, it was not a full year. It was an abbreviated uh, uh, deal. It was for a few months ah, that okay. we, we had agreed to do this. And I didn't really realize that he would even do that, but it was like a prorated amount for a few months. And um, yeah, it was, but it was I still guess, extremely yeah. impactful. And, and, it, and it never got in the way of our friendship. And, and it wasn't, you know, when I would go to Arizona, um, I typically stay at Steve and Amy's house. And okay. when I was doing the coaching thing, no, that's not what happened. I, right. I was there and I stayed someplace else and I showed up and, and I left. And it wasn't like, oh, let's go out to dinner tonight. No, this is a coaching relationship now. And I respected that. And I and I and that was good. I, that was healthy for the whole experience for me to put it in that in that way. So, yeah. So that's something else, you know, that our listeners can pull out is that it's possible to be coached by your friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but I think but I think you as the. Uh, coach E, is that right? Yeah. yeah, that sounds right. Coach E, have to be, you've got to get yourself in the right place for that. You've got to be able to hear that person from that place. You can't think, well, I know everything about him. I know everything about her. She or he can't tell me really anything new. Oh, I can't, that couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> yeah, there. there's a great audio by Steve Chandler about personal versus social self that really addresses that well it's like a 23 minutes but you know i listen to that probably once a month just to remind myself you know so yeah wow scott is there anything else you would like to put into this space um Um, yeah well uh the book uh to speak about the book was the book was an amazing compilation of Steve's life, which of course we're to look at it as our life and look at it from our point of view. And, but the book um, is just, is just amazing. How many times have you read it? You know, I've read it, I think three times and I've listened to it twice. Okay. And, um, uh, and, and, you know, it's funny, every time I do it, I get something, well, how did I miss that part? What did I always get something new out of it? Um, you know, Steve was here last week and we had a little get together at lunch and there were probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 people that showed up and, you know, Steve spoke a little bit, Uh, you know, everybody, everybody shared a little bit about their, what they've learned about the book. And so probably, you know, 10 or 12 people spoke and, and then Steve spoke and it was very informal. It wasn't like this formal thing. 
And, you know, the thing that Steve said in this is this is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. This is, this is our life. This is, it's happening right now. So in other words, don't wait. You, you can do things. You can make things happen. You're free to, to express yourself, to make a phone call, to fix something, to make something happen. You can do it. You, whatever you want. One of the greatest takeaways from coaching with Steve was something that he taught me. He said, you live into the life you speak. And, and I, I remember him saying that to me and I was kind of like, oh yeah. Uh-huh. And then I really started thinking about it. And, you know, he said it a few times over the course of our coaching time. And then I started listening to people that I knew and like, there's somebody I know in my life, I won't identify the person, but it's a female and she's very chaotic. And every time you talk to her, you, you can say, hey, how's it going? Oh, oh, it's just, oh, just chaos. It's just, you know, it's just, well, her whole life is always chaos. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and I remember, I remember thinking about her as one of the first people when he said this to me, I, I ran into her or something and, and I was like, oh, here's a good example of somebody who speaks chaos and yeah, they live in chaos. Mm -hmm. And so what I did at that point is I started eliminating words out of my vocabulary. And I'd have to sit down and think about what they were, but they were anything negative, anything uh, uh, that would ridicule somebody or, or anything negative about something, um, or, you know, like, oh, well, that never works. You know, I, I just eliminated stuff like that out of my vocabulary. And then I started listening to how people speak. And, and I was like, okay, that guy I know just said something and yeah, that's the way his life is. And so that has really, that's, has had a real profound impact on me. That's probably the greatest takeaway I had from my time with him um, that I've been able to implement, you know, I've been able to Im implement, I think a lot of things, but that one is an everyday, every time you open your mouth kind of thing, you think about um, what, what are you saying? What are you projecting? What are you reflecting? Um, so I'm very cognizant of that and try to be, um, I try to say things that, you know, that matter for the most part, it's not always the case, but, you know, I try. So you're, you realize your part in creation and you're taking responsibility for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're always creating with, with our way of being, I'm paraphrasing that's in the book. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, um, yeah, it's. Uh, an amazing it's an amazing thing to realize it's a, a simple thing but it's an amazing thing to realize so i've i'm grateful for that yeah and to be clear simple is not a synonym of easy right which is why most of us don't do it yeah that's true that's very true sometimes we we completely miss the simplicity of what how we could be and um we it gets complex and it gets complicated and uh difficult and it doesn't need to be um, yeah when you live without judgment and when you just have a pure clear intention right exactly yeah yeah so 
I, I feel very lucky to have this relationship with Steve. Um, very fortunate. I, I know that. Um, I'm grateful for it. Um, I know, I honestly know if I needed anything, if I, I, all I'd have to do is pick up the phone and he would come, he would do something, something would be sent, whatever needed. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm, and I'm not alone. I know there's a lot of people that have this kind of relationship with him and, but I'm just one and I'm just grateful for it. I'm, I'm lucky. Mine's, mine's probably longer than most people. Mm -hmm. Um, but he still has amazing relationships with others as well. And, and I've met a lot of them. He's introduced me to a lot of his clients uh, over the years I've met. And it's been, it's been great. Wonderful. It, I'm also wondering in your many reads of the book, um, how many of those clients do you know or recognize? Oh gosh, I'd have to count them, but I, there's several, okay. several. I'd have to count them up, but there's several. I would say I'm just guessing 10, 10 or 12, maybe 15. I don't know. I, I'd have to count them. I and mean, I haven't done that. Is there any particular story that, that really uh, resonates with you out of there? Not, I mean, it doesn't have to be related to you or anybody else in particular, but there's, is there any part of the book that is uh, that resonates most with you? Well, I, I think, <laughs> Maybe this is or isn't, but I think what gets, uh, I think what, you know, people, people see Steve as this coach, but he's got this unbelievable business mind. He's, I mean, really an incredible business mind. He could literally run any Fortune 500 company. You know, I, um, when he left Rodell, now, I don't know if that, you know, that's a part of the book and he talks about that. And, and I remember when that was happening and Steve was really kind of lost. And I remember saying to him, so he told me what he had done. He told me he'd resigned and he'd given him six months. And um, they walked in about a week before the six months was up with a blank check and basically said, what's it going to take? And so I remember when he was telling me about this, I said, so if you would have written two or three million dollars, would they have? And he goes, "Yeah, they would. Have, they would have done it." Wow. And he, but it wasn't about money. He just was not happy. He was not fulfilled doing that. He was traveling all around the world. He was, you know, probably jet lagged all the time. You know? Yeah, I can't even imagine. But but he just wasn't happy, and obviously, this was not his calling. Was to do that. He still has a really great relationship with the, um, uh, you know, CEO, president of, of that company. But Steve, Steve could run any company. I mean, really, he's probably the most brilliant person I know. He's definitely the most amazing human being I know. Um, but he doesn't want to do that. He, he wants to do what he does. And, you know, a lot of people that do this travel and they put on big seminars and they charge big money and they, you know, they fill up big auditoriums. Steve is, Steve is best right in front of somebody. That's his best. He's one-on-one -on -one is where he is so powerful, so powerful. Hmm. And um, that's what he, he could make way more money than he makes. And he makes a lot of money. We all know that he makes a hmm. lot of money. He could make way more money if he wanted to. 
He just doesn't want him. Doesn't want him. Um, and I give I give him a lot of credit for that, and I give Amy a lot of credit for that. They've created a lifestyle that fits them, and that's admirable too. He he has ambition, but it's not a worldly it's not a worldly ambition. It's an ambition to reach people and to touch people and to care about people. That's what he's all about is people. So I'm hearing two things in your answer. One thing is his brilliant business mind really comes forth for you. And then Mm -hmm. secondly, his way of creating his life. I guess the third thing I'm hearing also is through his way of being, he's created um, a business that suits his life, right? And and that's a lesson in the book, like, because we're reading the book as if it's about us. So I guess for you as a, a real estate developer, you, you would gravitate towards the lessons of your business brilliance and the way you're being in your business and what you've, what you, what are the possibilities you can create from that aspect? Does that sound accurate? Yeah. 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 I mean, that part of him has always amazed me and, and, you know, he transitioned from business into this coaching world. And, um, but then when you go to some of the people that he's coached, he's taken me to some of these companies and he's thrown out some of these numbers that we were here and now they're there. And, you know, Steve could take a lot of credit for that. He doesn't, but he's given a lot of credit. I think the CEOs that he coaches give him a lot of credit for their success and, He's he's amazing that way. Um, I, I think that I think that's understated in Steve's life. I think that's understated, and I think he doesn't care. You know that it's overstated. I don't think he cares about that. You know, I think the people that know that know that. And the know. fact is, he's changing the world one heart at a time, and in some cases, it sounds like one business at a time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've asked him a different time. How many people are you coaching? And he goes, the one right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a great answer. You know, that's a great answer. Because yeah. it's not about, it doesn't matter how many people coaches. What matters is who's, who's, who's sitting in front of him. And that's really what he's all about. He's, 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 he's very real. And he's, he, has, he has said that even people that he's coached for five or six years don't really get that he's real you know they still don't they still question whether he's really real or not and he is he's totally real so yeah yeah my experience of him he's very genuine and very present yeah yeah and that that is a lesson for all of us and and the way we're creating who we're being right no and he's like that he's like that with his children he's like that with everybody he's just you know, I've seen him interact with his children and um, his grandchildren, and he's just an amazing, amazing guy. And and um, and I, you know, and 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 you know, knowing him, he would not want me to sit here and talk about him. He would say, "All of us have this in us to be this if we will," and that's the greatest message I think that he would want to. Um, give is all of us have this in us if we'll just do it 
and just be that. Be aware of the people around us. Be, you know, reach out to them. Be present. Be caring. Be involved. All of these things that Steve is so good at, all of us can do this. And we just have to do it. And if we will, our life will be different. Our life can be richer. And uh, I think he doesn't so much want a light shined on him. He wants to shine a light on all of us is what he, I think, is where he really, really wants to do. He wants all of us to get that message that we can do this ourselves. We can be these things and it will make our life that much richer and make the life of those around us that much richer. And I think that's the lesson is to kind of get outside of our ourselves a little bit and or maybe a lot. Yeah. So Thank you, Scott. That uh, it's been a joy to be with you today. And yeah, um you. I I love everything you shared and um thank All you. Right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach Book, and more. Simply go now to www.theultimatecoachbook.com. That's www.theultimatecoachbook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be you.